this is Sophie Wilson, and you are listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Support the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast and YouTube channel by going to patreon.com slash slowboatsailing. Hi, this is Linus Wilson. I think it's been over a year since our last podcast. This is episode 61 of the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. I told you a few podcasts a while ago that I was semi-retiring the podcast, but uh, we're going to have a full episode today. Uh, You know, my round-the-world voyage uh, with the Slow Boat still continues, but of course it's been slowed by the COVID pandemic, and I've not been able to see the Slow Boat since January 2020. And I just recently completed a three-day circumnavigation of the globe, and I'm going to tell you why that is a bad thing for my round-the-world sailing trip. This talk was originally broadcast on the Slow Boat Sailing YouTube channel. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Linus Wilson. We're going to talk about our round-the-world trip uh, in the age of COVID travel restrictions and how that's affected that. I left New Orleans in 2016, and my boat, Contango, is a 31-foot island packet, or uh, 35 feet overall with bowsprit. Um, And we went to Cuba, Panama, Ecuador, the Marquesas, the Tuamotus, Fakarava, uh, Tahiti. We laid up in uh, Ecuador. Hiva Oa Marquesas, uh, also in Tahiti. And then we also uh, got, we hauled out in Tonga, in the boatyard in Tonga there in Vava'u. And the final season that we sailed was 2019, uh, and we sailed to uh, New Caledonia. And boy, that's kind of the the greatest regret of my cruising life was sailing into New Caledonia and leaving my boat there. Uh, so the in uh, of course you know what happened in 2020. Last time I saw the slow boat in person was in uh, January 2020 when I was checking on it in the boatyard, make sure it was relatively dry, clean up any messes, make sure anything everything looks okay, and. Then, of course, the COVID travel restrictions started hitting in March 2020, and the border to New Caledonia, which is a French overseas territory, very close to uh, Australia. You can see that. That's the dot there uh, on the map that says Nomia. That's the capital. Um, You know, uh, it's just very close to Australia. And, oh, I wish I had sailed to Australia, but I didn't. Uh, And... You know, it's been almost impossible for anybody to go in and out of uh, New Caledonia, even uh, territorial residents or French citizens, but they've had special preference for territorial residents and territorial residents, many of whom were stranded in uh, mainland France or other parts of the world. Uh, and they all they had was a few flights and uh, 14-day, basically, COVID jails at the state expense, and the state would uh, put people in in these hotel rooms for 14, 15 days, make sure they don't have any COVID symptoms, and then let them come into the country. Now, in the U.S., it's basically you you show up to the country, maybe you're told to quarantine, but there's no enforcement of that. 
not so in New Caledonia. It's kind of similar to the system they have in Australia. Um, but, you know, uh, the U.S., for instance, uh, pretty much every country can come to the U.S. There are some travel restrictions on particular countries, uh, and I think they're all stupid. I'm against all travel restrictions. That's my political leanings. I'm also mostly against most of the the COVID regulations and the, the, the things that are done. Now, I do think the vaccines are wonderful, and I encourage you to get one, and I got two shots of the Pfizer vaccine. And that was probably part of the reason I was given permission to come back to New Caledonia. They'd started a scheme by which you pay an exorbitant amount uh, to a, uh, a very exorbitant amount of money uh, to, you see New Orleans in the background, uh, to uh, one of the hotels. The one that I worked with was Godwana, and I paid them $4,200 for the 15-night stay, uh, I paid a deposit, and then when I got government approval, I figured, well, that's pretty much a done deal, and they assured me they'd refund me if I was not allowed on the plane, uh, and so I paid the rest of it, uh, and then, you know, I thought it was set to go, oh, uh, you had to have a, a test within 72 hours, you had to have your, you know, your paperwork in order, which I thought I did have. Uh, I spent quite a long time preparing the paperwork, make sure everything was there. Uh, and then you, you fly to uh, Tokyo, which is really awful. Um, Tokyo is nowhere close to either France or New Caledonia. I don't know why they fly to Tokyo. That's the most ridiculous destination to fly to uh, from the South Pacific. Uh, you know, any number of locations would have been better, but they fly to Tokyo. Also, Tokyo also has a big lockdown, right? So you need you can't get into you can't get into Japan unless you're a Japanese citizen. So it's not like it's an easier place to get into or anything. I don't know why they didn't do Hong Kong or Singapore or something like that, something closer. But anyways, they did Tokyo. Uh, and so I was trying to follow their regulations, and so I was going to join them in Tokyo. Uh, I got a ticket on American uh, and to Tokyo uh, to connect to the, the, the Nemea flight on Air Kalen, which is the territorial airline, which you cannot book the ticket with Air Kalen unless the government gives you permission to go there, right? And so I would like to go back to my boat. Because I know from experience, from laying up boats, that it takes um, it takes a big toll on the boat. So I made the mistake in Tahiti leaving the boat for 10 months without visiting it. Uh, and it was in terrible shape. Uh, the electronics pretty much for the, for the engine were fried. The alternator was fried. Um, there was other electronics that were fried. Uh, because of excessive humidity. Now, I don't know if Nomia is as humid as uh, you can see the, the Tana volcano in the background here. Uh, that I don't know if no Nomia is as humid as uh, Tahiti was, but it, it certainly uh, it's not a desert in the way that Ecuador was. So, I mean, I think the best long-term storage place probably is Ecuador, because of the weather there. Uh, but 
it's not it's not a good place to leave your boat for two years, right? And we're getting very close to the two year mark now. Um, so I have real worries about kind of the 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 unknown decay in the boat, uh, and that's that was my principal reason why I'm willing I was willing to do the the 15 day quarantine, which I didn't you know dreaded. I thought is I think personally is ridiculous. Uh, like I said, I'm fully vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine over a month ago. I had uh, I had a negative PCR test 72 hours. I had no COVID symptoms or exposure, but I was denied boarding for a bogus reason. You know, a, a made up reason that Eric Kalen never brought to me. I bought the ticket with Eric Kalen like uh, a month in advance. Eric Kalen was sent me two emails. As I was traveling, like one right before I started traveling, and I was traveling for two days to get there, uh, and then uh, another one uh, right, you know, right before I arrived, and they never mentioned any of the the issues that the gate agents refused my boarding on, right? And so, you know, I feel like I was definitely blindsided. I think you have to consider the possibility that I was part of a, you know a COVID visa scam, right? Because right now the hotel that I paid $4,000 to and Eric Kalen are not offering refunds. Uh, just the opposite. The hotel confirmed they have no intent of offering a refund, even though I have not stayed one day in the hotel. I notified them as soon as I was denied boarding. They led me to believe that if I would be denied boarding, I would get a full refund. And, you know, the what I have to kind of conclude from that is that they win if I don't actually show up because they don't have to use a room, right? That's another room they can rent out. That's They don't have to feed me. You know, they don't have to change my linens. Uh, that's just a really great deal for them that I get denied boarding and get stranded in Japan, a country that I cannot leave the airport at, right? Because you can't leave the airport unless you're Japanese. Uh, and you know, the so I flew two thirds of the way around the world. Originally, I was going to fly direct to Tokyo, uh, but Americans said there was something that, that you couldn't transfer bags. I think that was bogus, uh, but that's what they said. I was like, well, can I leave my bag? And they wouldn't do that. What they did was they took me out the flight and they, they, uh, uh, I was, I was very sure. So I flew from Lafayette to Dallas Fort Worth, right? Uh, that's America's hub. And then, I was very sure that Eric Kalin was going to honor their ticket, right? Uh, and I was like, I've been working on this. It was not an easy application, right, to get there. You can't just go there because you have a tourist motive, right? Uh, and, you know, I, I, and I also had the hotel, right? I was going to show up for that. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to miss the flight. I didn't want to. Luckily, my American flight was way ahead of time, and I still could fly to – Paris, where that's the traditional connection they're expecting most people to be coming from mainland France, and then they get that Tokyo flight to Numea, New Caledonia, which is right next to Australia, essentially, on the other side of the Coral Sea. And um, so, you know, I did that. And, and so in the process, I went like two-thirds, three-quarters of the way around the world to get to uh, Japan, which is east about the world. So I had, I had a I had to get a ticket 
uh, with Delta to go to Atlanta, Atlanta to Charles de Gaulle, Charles de Gaulle on Air France to Tokyo. And I was like, you know, everything's going okay. That gate agent in Dallas was pretty crazy, uh, you know, and dictatorial. And that's, you know, that's the, uh, the sad reality of airline travel in COVID is tremendous power has been given to the airline gate agents and maybe you'll get a good one i hope i hope i hope i hope you get a good one there you go there's the yacht club of the golden globe race founder right there in i think it's i forget the name of his yacht club but it's in the middle of tonga it's pretty cool but there's nobody there um and uh so you know i every gate agent makes me nervous uh, because you never know what their arbitrary thing they're going to do. But, you know, flying into to Japan, I didn't have any worries because, you know, I'd been dealing with Air Kalen. Air Kalen was the whole reason why I was doing that. I got a letter from the government that said I could go. I've got, uh, you know, Air Kalen booked the flight. They only booked it after the government said I could go. You can't just, like, go online and book that ticket that I had. And, but then I got a little worried when I'm going through the, the security check, uh, which is, it do, it's not taking you out of the international terminal. It's just like a, a security check within the international terminal of your, um, your, your carry on bags. And, and somebody's asking for Linus Wilson, somebody from air France. And I was like, okay, hey, this is Linus Wilson. What do you need? And he's like, he just wants to walk with me. And, you know, that's pretty xenophobic that I'm like the the only or one of the few non-French people on the flight. And I get targeted by Air France. Uh, and they have to have somebody to make sure that I walk to the gate. Like, I've flown two-thirds of the way around the world I am going to walk to that gate. I did not come to Japan to, you know, go to Japan. I came to Japan to get on that Air Kalen flight. So he wanted to make sure that I, and I showed him my government form. I showed him my, my ticket and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's, you know, he escorts me to the gate. Right. And so then I get to the gate agent and she wants to see every single form I have and take a picture of every single form I had. You know, why didn't they take pictures of these forms like before I arrived if they were skeptical about it, you know, but they didn't. Uh, and so the long of the short of it is like I spend the next hour and a half trying to convince them, yes, I have permission to come. You really should honor this. I've spent $8,000 to get to this spot. Actually, probably $9,000. I spent $1,000 on COVID tests because of the, you have, it's, I'll just go to the COVID test thing for one thing, right? Which is not, which is something that I spent. That's obviously something that nobody in New Caledonia is collecting that money. So, uh, so that would not be part of any potential scam. Uh, but, you know, the, the co if you do an if you do a mail in covid test that if you have a lab that that does pcr tests that is not in your town and you cannot go to that lab and actually get the pcr test in person 
then you're at the mercy of the schedules of FedEx and UPS, right? And if you only have three days, you need to be within 72 hours of your final flight, which is, in my case, Air Kalen, right? Uh, which was on the, the 7th uh, at noon, May 7th at noon. And, and, you know, none of those, those uh, you know, ones that use FedEx and UPS we're going to be able to guarantee that I would get the test results in time. Luckily, my wife was able to find after asking around. So my advice to you, if you're doing international travel and you need these stupid PCR tests, which prove absolutely nothing, you know, what's better? You see somebody who's got a COVID vaccination or a PCR test three days old. I would say the COVID vaccination. That's a more likely indicator that that person is there's I two talking in the background? Uh, that person is you know not going to have COVID when he arrives to the country, right? Supposedly, all these dictatorial regulations that we have at the U.S. and abroad uh, are to prevent COVID, and that's why they're jailing up their own citizens for no reason. Uh, you know, is to prevent the spread of COVID, right? So that's our goal here, uh, and that was not an issue with me. Right. And they said that was not an issue. They were not worried about that. But they had found a technicality to keep me off the plane or they claimed there was a technicality to keep me off the plane. And that's what they did. And it didn't matter how much it had cost me, how much it inconvenienced me. It didn't matter that they were dumping me in Japan, a country which has almost no vaccinations. You want to talk about a country that has almost no vaccinations? It's Japan, right? So that's why their travel restrictions are so bad in Japan is because they're so incompetent about handing out vaccines. I was hearing that Japan has almost 30 million vaccines, but they've only handed out 13% of them, right? Uh, so, you know, for a country of 120 million, right, that only a few million people have been vaccinated so far, uh, almost exclusively healthcare workers, right? Uh, so, so I was abandoned there. And the only alternative for me was to quickly get a flight to the United States, right, to continue the round-the-world voyage, right, which was not what I wanted to do. My, my round-the-world trip is a sailing trip. It's not a, a flying trip. Right. So I counted my miles in nautical miles on the sea, uh, not uh, miles in the air. Uh, but anyways, it was around the world trip in three days because I had to get on that flight before my COVID test three days earlier expired. Uh, or I'd have to get another COVID test and wait in the airport, in the Japanese airport in Narita. So, so that was what... That was what happened. Uh, and, of course, I, you know, I emailed the airline, you know, and even when they threw me off the flight, I was like, hey, you know, you guys, uh, could you give me a refund on the ticket? I should have pressed harder. I was I was just so flabbergasted. I wasn't even thinking about the refund of the ticket because it was a few, it was like $700 for the Air Kalen leg. Uh, I was more worried about the money I'd spent on the hotel and I was more, but I should have, you know, I should have uh, said, you know, got the refund there while they were there because right now they're giving me the runaround. They probably, I suspect they will not give me a refund. Um, 
I'm disputing the charges, right? I'm disputing all these fraudulent charges. But my my take is that I, I just want people to be wary of these kind of COVID quarantines with these international countries. And just because they have like sponsor hotels and, uh, you know, these things seem to be all government sponsored, that doesn't mean that they feel like they can screw you with impunity, that they can steal from foreigners with impunity. And, you know, I think people say, the criticism people say about the French uh, system of laws is that there's a little, there's kind of a technicality kind of uh, aspect to it. I think there's just a plain old cheating. There's Fiji in the background, Suva, I believe. Uh, And uh, there's just a plain old uh, cheating mentality right, that, that's going on here, that if we deny you service, we get to keep the money, right? And, you know, that is fraud, right? That's my definition of fraud. You, you sell somebody a service, you don't provide it, you know, that's, that's theft, fraud, it's illegal, right? And, the fact that the New Caledonian government is sanctioning this says a lot about New Caledonia, right? It says a lot about the New Caledonian government. It doesn't say anything good about it. Now, I've brought all these things to the attention of the New Caledonian government. I have written them. I have spoken. I've spoken to the hotel. Uh, I have been trying to get the Eric Kalin on the phone. They are not answering the phone. Uh, I'll probably continue to call, but I've also written, and I've written in all different languages. You know, my take is that uh, Air Kalen is basically violating, uh, as part of this kind of messing over foreign... I was under the professional program. That's the only program for, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, for foreigners, right? I am a foreigner. Uh, and as such, unlike a resident, residents do not pay for their COVID jail. They don't pay for their COVID quarantines. I don't even think they pay for their flights, right? So all that is paid for, right? And I think it should be, right? It, they should do. But that also means uh, that they they have been rationing it, rationing it. And, you know, if I would have been more vocal about this before this time had I not gone through such an ordeal that I have. Uh, but I try to not say anything about the governments that I visit. But, you know, now that I've been, you know, royally to the tune of $9,000 stolen from uh, based on the, the actions of the new Caledonian government, which is by far the worst experience I have had traveling around the world or traveling period right you know i lived many years abroad uh before i got my defil from oxford uh and i also have visited many countries not all of them completely honest in terms of their their bureaucracy but i have not been defrauded to any uh, sense than i have been defrauded through this government-sponsored program of New Caledonia. I hope they'll make it right. I don't, 
I don't have any signal that they will, though, right? Uh, like I said, the, the hotel is claiming they get to keep the money if I don't show up. Uh, and Eric Kalin is not responding to my request for a refund. They had like a refund thing on their website. The website doesn't work. Uh, so uh, I'm going to continue to push. But I would just say, if you're thinking about sailing the South Pacific, right, the places that are open, more or less, with some restrictions, are Tahiti and Fiji. Uh, but Tonga, Vanuatu, Australia, New Zealand, they're closed. And uh, the, the border closer was actually extended in New Caledonia just recently, right, um, to October uh, 2021, right? So October 31st. It was originally uh, July and they extended to October 31st. I have no idea. Their vaccination program is actually going fairly swiftly. I don't think they need it. But anyways, that's that's what they did. And so uh, for the, the their residents stranded abroad or people like me who have property in New Caledonia, um, which we're starting to wonder if we'll ever get back, uh, you know, I want my boat back. I don't want it stolen by the people in New Caledonia, right? I'm paying to store it. That's fine. But I'm paying on faith, right? I'm paying on faith right now that it's not going to be stolen by the government, uh, by the people in New Caledonia. And I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of reason to put faith in these people uh, after the ordeal I went through this week, right? Um, so I think I'd answer another question that probably come up and you're like, well, why don't you hire a captain to sail the boat somewhere else? And I'm more amenable to that idea now, but there are a number of logistical problems. Number one, sailing from New Caledonia, uh, to, uh, Australia is problematic, right? That. If you say you have a New Caledonian resident, a French citizen, New Caledonian resident, uh, captain, sail the slow boat from uh, New Caledonia to Australia, that person is A, going to need to get permission from Australia to do that before he can do it. If he gets permission, and then uh, he's going to have to do a 14-day hotel quarantine. Mandatory before he can fly back to New Caledonia. And to fly back to New Caledonia, that New Caledonian captain would have to do a 14-day hotel quarantine uh, with the New Caledonian government. So you got to pay for his time in Australia. you got to pay for the hotel and whatever other expenses there are. Uh, and then, hey, Roger, how's it going? And uh, the uh, so that that's pretty much a no go. Those are twenty eight day quarantine in addition to the sailing time or whatever prep time that the the, the captain has to do. Uh, a better option would be to to sail upwind to Fiji, uh, where he he or she wouldn't have to do a quarantine uh, to get it out of New Caledonia. Uh, and I'm amenable to that idea once they lift the quarantine for. Uh, 
residents, right? So if the if the residents uh, are not, you know, if the residents don't have to do a 14-day quarantine, which you have to get on a wait list for because the government is inefficient and they're slow and they, they mess over their residents, um, maybe not as badly as foreigners in the sense that they're not having to pay through the nose and then also not get to get into the country the way I did, $9,000 in the hole, never touched ground in, in New Caledonia, wasted days and days of my life. Uh, and But it's still not, it's not efficient, it's not automatic, it's a big pain. Uh, and you also can't, you know, it's not like you can get a flight from Fiji to New Caledonia right now. You can't, right? So probably, you know, unless something dr drastically changes, uh, hiring a captain is a no-go. Uh, the only option is to go back and, you know, whenever there, there are travel restrictions. And, and the other thing is, like, the government's are my government, definitely the New Caledonian government, the government of governments all over the world are really slow to adapt uh, to the the changing landscape, right? You know, why, for instance, are governments requiring PCR tests when uh, COVID vaccines are much more reliable in terms of having someone that's not going to spread COVID, right? You know, why isn't that an alternative to that? It's because the governments, once they have power, once they've got a regulation, they don't change it. They're inefficient. So the question is, you know, when we get to October 31st, can I fly to New Caledonia, right, as a foreigner without without an application and without um, a, you know, with, without uh, a 14-day quarantine, maybe. I mean, the other thing is that New Caledonia is supposedly going to do seven-day quarantines, Right. Uh, but, you know, that was in the news before I left. And I said, hey, I'm willing to do the 14, but, you know, I am fully vaccinated. So I would love to do the seven. Uh, and both the hotel said no go. And then the government did not respond. So I don't think that that's necessarily automatic yet either. It may be soon. Uh, so that would be some benefit. Obviously, if you're listening to the international news, Europe as a whole you know, seems has been making noises that they're going to open up Europe to American travelers in June. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, Americans who are fully vaccinated already in French Polynesia is pretty much open to Americans who are fully vaccinated, but not in New Caledonia. I think the thing to understand with New Caledonia, just in terms of its kind of political situation, which I wish I didn't understand, I wish I didn't know so much, uh, is that, uh, you know, it's not a big tourist destination. There, Most cruisers pass by New Caledonia. I wish I had passed by New Caledonia. Uh, and the, you know, it's not like French Polynesia in that sense. Uh, and it's also not France, right? It's actually, its regulations are much more restrictive than France. Right now, mainland France may push them to do what's going on in Europe, uh, but it would be a push. And the other issue is that uh, for the first time, the, the French loyalist government has fewer seats uh, than the separatist government. And so there, you know, 
I believe that the separatist government is more anti-opening uh, than the French the French loyalists, and so that kind of complicates the situation. Uh, how that's going to play out, I have no idea. Uh, they have another referendum vote that they can take. I think they've had two, and they've all failed, but the third one, it may go through. Who knows? Uh, especially with all those, uh, you know, all those mainland French people that are not allowed to get back to the country uh, because of their stupid quarantine scheme. So it's, it's not a good situation. Uh, if you're contemplating sailing the South Pacific this year, I would say, wait, this is not the season to do it. Uh, spend another year in the U.S. Maybe you'll be able to cruise Mexico, but definitely don't try crossing the Pacific. Uh, I mean, you could kind of do what I did was that you spent your, all your time in French Polynesia, but it, it's better if you just waited really on everything. It, it would, it would make your life so much easier if you waited until, uh, we got some more international travel allowed. The situation is terrible, right? So I went around the world in three days and none of the places I stopped, I could leave. Right? I could not leave the airport. So I went around the world, east about the world, from you know Louisiana, USA, to Paris, to Tokyo, back to San Francisco, back to Texas, back to Louisiana. And uh, that, I never once got my passport stamped because I never once was allowed to leave the airport. And that's pretty much the situation as it stands now. Now, Next month, I think it's going to be much better. There, uh, the Caribbean. There's lots of Caribbean destinations that are opening up. The more tourist oriented the des the place, uh, the better the situation uh, will be. the The problem is just New Caledonia is just not very tourist oriented. When we were there, we didn't we start hardly saw any tourists whatsoever, right? So there's there were not a lot of foreign voters there, and that's part of my problem. Uh, so, best, I mean, I don't know what the best case scenario is. Uh, the most likely scenario is that my boat will be on the hard for over two years, nearly two and a half years, uh, before I can see it again, and uh, will have been on the hard for two years, two whole years, before I had uh, checked it out, right? Uh, and make sure that it, it's in good working order. I think it'll be a terrible working order, but I will consider sailing to Australia in December. Um, if, if that's, uh, I might do that. I did sail in December uh, to the Marquesas. Uh, of course, the, the problem is December is cyclone season, uh, and, and uh, it's, it wasn't for the Marquesas. Uh, but it is cyclone season, and uh, we uh, just have to be careful about the weather if if that's if that's my best situation. But I'm inclined to do that uh, because I want to get it out of the territory as soon as I'm practically able to do. And as far as the nine thousand dollars I've been cheated out uh, through this, you know, this bait and switch that I've gone through. Uh, with the New Caledonian government and Air Kalen and a hotel that thinks that they can charge me for 15 days when I never stepped foot in the hotel and I canceled my reservation before it was due to start. Um, 
it just kind of makes me a bit sour on the place. All right, subscribe to the Linus Wilson channel. We give you the uh, we introduce you to the uh, the most interesting sailors in the world who are not me, by the way. Uh, and check out the Slow Boat Sailing podcast if you haven't done so already. And uh, check out my books, How to Sail Around the World Part Time. Knock on wood, you'll be able to do that pretty soon. Slow Boat to Cuba and Slow Boat to the Bahamas, among other titles published by Ox River Publishing. Okay, bye-bye.
at YouTube slash Sailing. We upload new round-the-world vlog series at 5 p.m. New York City time on the first Thursday of the month. So in, on the first Thursday in April, we'll come out with the offshore trip from Balboa Yacht Club in Panama City to Ecuador. Hi, I'm Jana Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Subscribe to our free newsletter at slowboatsailing.com.